0: Welcome to my podcast on the grow. I'm Grace Lee. This is the third episode into the series called Marathon Season Series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. In this episode called I Ran Two Marathons Three Weeks Apart New York City Marathon Recap, I talk about ending the marathon season with the New York City Marathon and the recap that has been in the works. I cover the mindset going into the New York City Marathon, what I learned running it, a recap of some of the tough and fun miles on the course, and more. Before I dive into today's podcast episode, let's start with a life recap first. I feel like we're now hitting that time of the holiday season when you start to notice an influx of event invites and people wanting to suddenly hang out more frequently And before you know it, your calendar is jam-packed with social events that you didn't realize you RSVP to in advance. Well, that's been my life as of late for me and Bobby, my fiancé. We spent the past few days wondering why we were so exhausted and socialized out. You know, we came back from yet another social event the other day with the very question, why is it so hard to say no? Does anyone else feel this way too? Saying no feels easy when it interferes with marathon training or a workout plan I'm following. It's hard because I don't like to back out of commitments. I don't like it when someone last minute opts out of plans we had already set. So there's a part of me that doesn't want to do that with anyone else. So there's that. I'd like to get better at treating my social life and schedule that way too. Anyone looking for an accountability partner? Because let's be friends. But seriously, let me know. I know I need to get better at putting my foot down with social engagements and saying no for my sanity and health. I'm a routine type of girl. So when my schedule starts to get affected, say... I'm waking up later because of a late night out. My whole day already feels ruined. And I know I'm being dramatic, but when I'm not working out in some capacity in the morning, my day feels off. And I might as well just stay in bed for the remainder of the day because it's practically over waking up past my usual alarm. No? Okay. Maybe not. But you know what I mean. Another update is that I've been working on something for my social media agency. It's been in the works for quite some time, but I finally put out a little sneak peek into what's launching this month, a few days ago. I'm truly passionate about where this could go for the business and the creativity that will spark from this new direction. I'll give a little context without giving too much away. This mainly all started when Bobby proposed. And a little idea started to form in my head. And that's all I'll say. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into the episode, because we have a lot to cover. I think I should bring attention to the title of this podcast episode for two reasons. One, I ran two marathons just 21 days apart. There are probably a lot of qualified run coaches who would disagree with trying to race both, but I intentionally went into training knowing that my goal was to prevent injury. I knew I'd be putting a lot of miles on one body in such a short span of time, which meant the first marathon would be the stronger focus and goal for this training cycle. Two, the New York City Marathon was on my bucket list since I moved to New York City in 2017. So it was one of those surreal moments to actually experience it. And I have more to share on that. You know what nobody talks about? Nobody talks about the constant thoughts that you have on marathon morning. You go from excited to anxious to nervous, consuming many thoughts all at the same time. You start to play the what if game with yourself. Did I train enough for this? Did I train too hard? Did I taper correctly? What if I get another side stitch? What if my shoes come untied? But then, when you're finally on that start line, it feels like you're about to step onto the stage and give the biggest performance of your life. The truth is, Marathon Day should be celebrated. We made it here. We trained four months for one moment, and that is a feat in and of itself. So If you ran the New York City Marathon this past year, I'm so proud of you. You did it. Okay, but hold on. We haven't even gotten to the recap yet. So let's take it a step back. I remember it clear as day. My alarm went off at 4am. Phil, Bobby's best friend, texted me right at 4.02, asking if I was up. And if you're wondering why I was texting his best friend, It's because he was picking me up to head over to Staten Island in the next hour or so. It was Phil's first marathon, so of course he was excited morning of. Thankfully, we decided it would be easier to ride together from New Jersey. I woke up on an eager note. I couldn't sleep any longer. My body was just too excited, and I wanted to get going. I started off reading my devotional, Something I always strive to do every single morning, race day or not. It's important for me to nourish my mind with soul food before I do anything else. Afterwards, I headed to the kitchen to get started with my breakfast. Simple waffles with honey. I blasted my favorite Christian music playlist, a race day routine of mine, and headed over to the couch where I had all of my race gear laid out. One by one, I went through the motions of putting on my chafing stick, deodorant, shorts, sports bra, and socks. After running numerous races this past year, this part felt too natural. Race bib was on, hair in a bun, a spritz of glitter spray on my body because I was about to run New York City's biggest block party of the year. Glitter was mandatory. Flash forward to getting dropped off at the private rideshare drop-off spot in Staten Island, Phil and I waited in the security line, and then we were in. During this time, we used the bathroom, rested our legs by sitting on our blanket in the grass, chatted, and then did a warm-up. At our corrals, I got to spend some time with Tatum, a close runner friend of mine who was on the podcast episode prior to this one talking about everything to know about the New York City Marathon. You should go listen to it if you haven't already. Anyway, one of my favorite parts was starting the race with her. After the cannon blasted off, we were off running conservatively at the start, heading up the Verrazano Bridge. This was such a cool moment as we saw the views and ran alongside hundreds to thousands of runners. When we got to Brooklyn, I felt great. I dropped it down to the pace that I wanted to maintain for this section, 740s and 50s. The crowds were cheering us on, and I went into cruise control. I was feeling so strong, and a part of me wondered if I would beat my PR from the Columbus Marathon. But I was getting ahead of myself. And then, it happened. Right at mile 8, I felt the first pain... Hit me on my right side. Oh no, I thought. No, no, no. This was too soon. I had prepared so hard to avoid this. The side stitch deepened, and for a split second, I started to panic. For context, side stitches used to be a common occurrence for me the previous year in races. But after hydrating more often and taking in salt tablets and electrolytes, I saw the problem diminish until now I pinched the side of my stomach while calming myself down. It'll go away. Just keep pushing. Mile nine came by. My Brooklyn friends would be cheering me on around mile 10. So my theory was just ignore the pain and be in the moment for your friends. Miles 10 and 11 were beyond electric. So much energy here. The crowds were roaring, confetti was being thrown, music was blasting. I actually paused my music in this area to take it all in. I looked and looked for my friends and couldn't find anyone, unfortunately. But I kept a smile on my face, even though the side stitch annoyingly and consistently reminded me it was there. I was nearing the halfway point, mile 13, and I could feel my body starting to slow down. The Pulaski Bridge was up ahead in the distance, but then one of my close friends came into view. He was standing off to the side with the city bike, and that surprise came out of left field. My friend Calvin hopped on his bike and followed along the way to the start of the Pulaski Bridge, where he continued to cheer me on, and I headed up the bridge. That was a boost of energy that I had needed. It was time to head into Queens, Long Island City. I briefly smiled to myself. I had trained on this part of the course the beginning half of summer, and it felt all too familiar. I used this time in Queens to try to do something about this side stitch, and stopped by every water station to grab Gatorade. My theory was to keep consuming Gatorade in the hopes the side stitches would evaporate. It was a good try, I guess. Either the pain subsided or I just got used to the pain because as we entered the Queensborough Bridge, I felt shot. The calves were feeling heavy as bricks as I took quicker steps on the silent and empty part of the course. During this time, I tried to think about Bobby, who was waiting for me at mile 17 on the Upper East Side. It was coming up, and I had something to look forward to. This area felt longer than I expected, but I knew it was coming to an end as I started to hear the loud cheering pick up. My heart started to beat. This was the first Avenue crowd that everyone spoke of. This was where people caught their second wind. As I came off the bridge, I was shocked. Crowds and crowds of people on both sides. Literally electric. The atmosphere was something else. I felt like a celebrity entering First Ave. The music playlist picked up, and so did I. I picked up the pace, eyeing the streets. 60, 61, 62, 63. Bobby was waiting for me around 77. I just had to hold on to get there. That was my thought. Instantly forgetting that I still had a little over nine miles left in the race. Oops. 77 finally came. And that's when I saw Bobby. He was waving at me with a big grin on his face. His phone already recording. I beamed and blew him a kiss as I zipped by. But then... My energy came right back down as I started hitting the 90s. If there's a way to compare what I was experiencing, it was like a car hitting the pedal for a good 20 minutes, and then the engine slowly starting to die. Why did my legs feel like bricks already? I wasn't even in the Bronx yet. I hadn't gotten to the Fifth Avenue incline yet, or entered Central Park. Yeah, my mind was just going at this point. When I got to the Willis Avenue Bridge, I pulled out my phone and called Bobby. Yep, everything hurt. I just wanted to talk to Bobby at that point. Talk to me, G. Bobby answered almost immediately. My side stitch won't go away, and I can't keep going. I'm so exhausted. I told him, I'm at the Willis Avenue Bridge, and it's another hill. He was like, Oh, I know. I know exactly where you are. And I just remember almost just laughing because someone to my right just looked at me. She could tell I was on the phone and we just had this brief eye contact moment where it's like she silently understood the pain because we were both looking at the hill on this next bridge wondering, are we really doing this again? I took a good look around. Get to know that everyone around me looked like zombies at this point, too. Just keep pushing. Hang in there. You got this. Bobby kept repeating as I entered the Bronx. I let that message keep me controlled as I then started to head back into Manhattan. After seeing the 120 street signs, the only thing on my mind was the Fifth Avenue incline. I'm pretty sure, at one point, I just looked down at my legs in awe that they were still moving. How? My body didn't even feel connected at this point, but somehow, they were moving. I was turtle-waddling, just to stay afloat, but they were moving. Shocking, I know. I say turtle-waddling because that's what I felt like for the last five miles gatorade water station i stopped at every single one basically all to prepare myself for the fifth avenue incline that i kept visualizing would just put an end to me the crowds were cheering hard as i neared the hundreds this was it let's feel it i thought i had practiced running on this incline during training too this was it as i pushed on the mini incline which was in fact mini, but didn't feel like mini at this point of the course and running for more than three hours at this point, some people were stopping to walk around me. I wanted to give them a pat and say, I feel you, hang in there. But I didn't even have the energy to speak, so I just smiled at them, letting them know they were so close. There's this unspoken communication that happens at races that only us runners participating in the given race understand. We have this indirect eye contact, sympathizing with one another, because we're all suffering internally, but know that others are going through it with us, so it's assuring in a weird way. But we're going to go back to that Fifth Avenue incline because I'm not brushing over that so quickly. What's odd is, I didn't even feel it. Maybe the legs were numb at that point, or the incline was barely an incline, because I just remember entering Engineer's Gate on 90th and feeling puzzled, because apparently there was supposed to be an incline that I was dreading, and it wasn't tough at all. If only I felt that way with the Queensborough Bridge, because that was tough. But point aside, that was fine. It wasn't bad, and I was in Central Park now, aka my training grounds. I let that excitement itself help pick up the pace. I saw a girl waving at me, and I smiled. I had made a list of people telling me where they'd be cheering me on on Instagram, and figured she was one of the people. So I waved back. Gatorade and Water Station I'm not even kidding when I say I consumed every cup of Gatorade at every station I saw. Mile 24 was nearing. Bobby would be close. He told me he'd be waiting around here as he headed over to the exit. I tried to look for him, but at this point, nothing was functioning. After speaking to Bobby, he told me he had been shouting my name, and so had another person who chimed in, and I still hadn't heard him or that person Because I looked like a legit zombie, turtle waddling. The video he took was hysterical. I looked so out of it. But anyway, mile 25 was done, and I was on my way to the last mile, and then some. This was it. I was so close. Actually close. There was one more hill remaining, right by the finish line. I could feel myself getting emotional as I pushed one more time, heading to Tavern on the Green. Crowds of people cheering on, both sides. I had dreamt of this moment so long. The finish line started to come into view. I pushed myself to try and pick up some speed. I wanted to end on a strong note. And that, I did. Arms in the air and a smile on my face, for the photos... And for myself, of course. I stopped my watch and just stood there after crossing the finish line. I couldn't move. The medical team helped me move further down and walk it out a bit before I headed to the medals and then another two mile walk out to the exit. Which, by the way, if you ask anyone who ran the New York City Marathon, they will tell you it's brutal. It's like you're on mile 28.2 at that point. I think we can all collectively agree that we are now ultra marathoners running the New York City Marathon. On my way out, I had to stop and throw up. I realized it was all the yellow Gatorade I consumed at every station. Looking back, maybe that wasn't the best idea. It made sense why my stomach was in pain post-race. I used this time to look around me. There were hugs, tears, pain, and looks of accomplishment from runners crossing the finish line. The last grueling miles are tough in a marathon. Truly. In those moments, no one loves running a marathon, and we find ourselves questioning why we keep doing this. But then the emotions flood in after you finish, and you feel so powerful and strong for completing a marathon. There's nothing quite like it. The days spent reflecting after a marathon is one of my favorite highlights of running a marathon. My mind drifts back to this, and a part of me keeps wondering, God, why did I get a side stitch at mile 8? And I keep hearing God telling me, It's a blessing it was a side stitch and not a life-threatening injury. If you kept pushing at that rate you were going, it could have been worse. And I think about that, and I feel even more grateful. Two marathons in 21 days, injury-free. That was the goal, the ultimate goal. I just needed some reminding. New York City, you were tough, but nothing short of what I expected. I hope you enjoyed this recap, and if you ran the New York City Marathon this year, I'm so very proud of you. You did it. <laughs> Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next topic series that I'll be introducing very soon. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in.